Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Happy New Year. Welcome to those of you here in person. Welcome to those of you joining us online. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to welcome you to church today. You know, I heard some interesting things about this whole New Year resolution stuff, and may I share it with you? Have you heard this late, latest one about what a New Year's resolution is? It's something that goes in one year and out the other. And have you heard this one? Why did the woman start making breakfast at 11.59 p.m. on December 31st? She wanted a New Year's toast. One more. One more. <laughs> well, they say New York City has the best New Year's celebration, but I say it's overrated because every year they drop the ball. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, I was in Port Clinton and stayed on a friend's houseboat and had a great time. And in Port Clinton, do you know that they actually drop a walleye? It's a pretty cool thing. And I was asking someone at one of the restaurants there about the walleye before it actually happened. And I was asking them, is this walleye actually something that you physically caught from Lake Erie? And they looked at me like I just arrived from Mars. They said, no, it's a fake walleye. It has Christmas lights on it. Can you just leave our town, please? But it was a great time anyways. Uh, thankfully, we serve a God who does not make any mistakes when it comes to new things, right? Uh, may I read to you out of Isaiah forty-three nineteen? This is God speaking to his people many years ago in which he said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and make rivers in the desert. Well, this is what we believe that God is doing in our midst, and we look forward to 2022 as our God continuously prepares us for new things in our lives. And so we look forward to that indeed. Speaking of new things, if you are new to Victory Life Church, we want to express a very special welcome to you and hope that we're not freaking you out with our New Year's jokes uh, but nonetheless, we would love uh, to join you in your faith journey. And if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church, uh, we invite you to check us out at vlchurch.com. There is a banner there on our front page that says, Are You New Here? Uh, may I invite you to click on that banner and fill out the form that pops up on your screen. And that will come straight to me, and I will connect with you sometime uh, this week. But indeed, welcome to Victory Life Church. I do have a few announcements that I'd like to share. Uh, next week, we're going to be having a life group fair. And so as we start this new year, we want to encourage you to get signed up uh, for a life group or a life class. Uh, you'll be able to talk to life group leaders about the focus of their groups and classes that will be, that will be going on this spring in 2022. And we just encourage you to get connected to a life group. We really believe that you can grow deeper in your faith in Christ when you get connected to a smaller group. And so we look forward to hosting this fair next week uh, here on campus. We'll have some of our leaders down here in our North Foyer and some of our leaders down in the South Sanctuary. And so we invite you to check us out uh, next Sunday at our Life Group Fair. Also, we're going to have a launch Sunday in two weeks on January 16th. Um, our plan is to return to our year-long theme, Pursue, Connect, and Ignite. And as we make this return, uh, we will be studying the book of Colossians, uh, in which case our overarching theme will be on spiritual maturity. And the focus of spiritual maturity, our focus on Colossians, actually will be driven by a verse out of Colossians 1, verse 9, when it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Isn't that a great verse? I love it. Our prayer is that each and all of us will be filled with the knowledge of God and be able to bear good fruit in 2022. And so we start this study in two weeks here on Sunday mornings uh, on January 16th, and we look forward to that as well. Also, I want to make mention that 
We're going to have another really cool event on Friday, January 28th at 6.30 p.m. That'll be, it'll be entitled Our Pursue Night. Uh, our Pursue Night will be an evening of worship uh, with one another when we come together and just make some time for God. In which case, we will worship together and pray together and just create space in our minds and hearts that we might pursue Him, that we might indeed grow in our knowledge of Him and fulfill His plan for our lives as we bear uh, much fruit in 2022. And so we invite you to join us. Put that on your calendar. It's going to be again on Friday, January 28th at 6.30 p.m. And food and fellowship will follow after we worship together on that evening. We really look forward to it uh, on that date. Well, if you've come this morning to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, we've made it very turnkey for you. You can text to give. Uh, you can give online or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. And I also want to make a reminder for those of you who plan to give to Heart for Mexico today, uh, you can give uh, your envelope, your red envelopes rather, to our ushers as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But once again, thank you for worshiping the Lord Jesus uh, with your tithes and offerings today. Can I ask you to stand this morning in preparation for worship as we give the Lord what he deserves today? Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this place as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You put your Let's hands work. together this morning to worship. Let's make this our prayer. Yes. We want to see God. We want to see Him here today.
Let's invite the Lord to go before us into 2022 as we raise a hallelujah onto the name of Jesus Christ. Sing it together. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Yes, it is. I raise a
Come on, one more time. Let's raise that hallelujah to him. don't get it yet. Raising a hallelujah is the way that heaven comes and fights for us. It's biblical. We don't just sing that as nonsense. No. When we boast in the Lord, we're saying heaven, come and fight for us. When Paul and Silas were in prison chains, they praised and the chains were loose. Remember? When King Jehoshaphat went out to fight the armies that were coming against him, they praised. And remember, the armies fought each other. When we praise, God goes before us. Hallelujah, because you go before us. Praise is a weapon. Our melody is a weapon. That's why we sing about that. We want the Lord to go before us in 2022. We want him to go before us every day. But as we turn this chapter, this is a great way to enter in and say, God, Things are tough, and we know that. But if I raise that hallelujah, if I keep praising your name, I know heaven's going to come and fight for me. Don't you think that the God who's holding the sun in the sky and the stars, the one who commands the water and the wind, don't you think he has the power to control every aspect of your life when you give it to him? Oh, he does. God, our creator, can step into anything that we have when we turn it over to him and take control. And let me tell you, his plans are greater than our own. His plans are greater than our own. So if that last song's hard to raise that hallelujah, then trust this. Trust that God, our creator, is greater than any mountain that's in front of you this morning. Amen.
is greater than I'm so thankful the great I am no fear no grave no other name is greater than the great I'm no guilt no guilt no shame no sin no stain is greater than the great I no fear no fear no grave no other Father God, there was a time in human history where human beings were far from you, lost, broken, one might say godless, estranged from the maker and creator of the universe, the one that loved them first, most, and best. But your word gives a glimmer of hope in the early part of Genesis when it says at that time men began to call upon the name of the Lord well Lord when we are estranged when we are seeking change when we are looking for victories when we are needing newness may it be said of us that we called upon the name of the Lord we invoked the name of the one true God and said, come into our circumstance, into our place, into our setting, and do what only you can do, God. Display your power. Show your greatness. Spread your name and your fame in and around us and be glorified. So, Lord, we pray that you would come among us today, that you would show your power 
your greatness and that your name and your fame would spread out from among us as we claim the victories that we have in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray these things today in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, welcome to Victory Life Church this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. We are so glad that you're here on this second day of 2022, the year of our Lord, 2022, if you want to get specific. We are glad that you're worshiping with us today. You've made a really great choice to be in the house of God, to be worshiping the Lord in this place, because we are invoking the promise of the Lord Jesus who said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And he wants to be in the midst with us today doing the things that only he can do, making and molding and changing us into his image. And isn't it a good Sunday to be thinking about change? I know many of you have probably are on day two of your New Year's resolution. Congratulations. You have made it 36 hours. So proud of you. When I think of New Year's resolutions, I always think of the ninth time I tried to quit drinking coffee and think about it with despair. Because it hasn't gone well. There's been many times that I have quit. Oh, kids, kids, I'm so sorry. You're dismissed for young disciples. Goodbye. They're like, do we have to listen to Pastor Matt preach? Is he really going to do this to us? God bless you. Nobody was like, please stop, wait, let us go. Let us go. Goodbye. Blessings to you. Yeah, I once tried to quit drinking coffee cold turkey. 36 hours later, I was hugging a cup in my living room, having taken a personal day. So a couple times later, I decided that I was going to quit coffee by weaning myself off of it. And I succeeded. I weaned myself off of coffee and went a couple of months until I decided to wean myself back on. And uh, so we make these changes, we make these resolutions, but it's really tough sometimes as human beings to bring about that lasting change. You know, that stuff that just sticks and and continues. And I want to talk to you today about lasting change. Change that that can really grab hold of us and make a change for this life and into eternity. And I have a story today, a, 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 a hero of the Bible that I want to present to you today who made some lasting changes, who made some things happen that really changed the world forever. And his name is Nehemiah. And I'm going to invite you today to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. And if you don't know where that is, but you've got your Bible, that's cool. Go ahead and just look in that front couple of pages in your, in your uh, pages number thingy. And it'll tell you where Nehemiah can be found. And I want us to look today at someone who made lasting change that mattered uh, even to our lives today. You see, Nehemiah was the one who oversaw the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. After Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had destroyed Israel, had razed Jerusalem to the ground, Israel was in a very sorry state. In fact, it sort of ceased to be a nation, ceased to be a kingdom for 75 years. And when we pick up the story here in Nehemiah chapter 1, We're in the early 400s B.C., and a group of exiles from Babylon has gone back to the rubble that is Israel, except nothing good is happening. Nothing's taking place that would make anybody think that Israel is going to be of any account into the future. The kingdom of God, if you will, the kingdom of Israel is completely decimated and destroyed, and the people who are living in Jerusalem are living amongst the heaps and the ruins of strewn rocks. And Nehemiah is going to come into this information here in chapter 1, and it doesn't make sense to him. You see, Nehemiah knew that Jerusalem and Israel still had a great role to play in God's salvation story, so how could it be a broken down place of rubble. He didn't know perhaps the name of Jesus, but he knew the Messiah was to come, and that Messiah needed a nation to come to, a temple to preach in, ultimately a hill called Calvary to come to and fulfill all the prophecies that mean so much to us today. Nehemiah is going to pursue lasting change 
because he recognizes that there's a gap between God's kingdom and his plan and what he actually sees in real time. And we want to talk about the lasting change that Nehemiah made to fill that gap. And we are, of course, beneficiaries of the lasting change that he made. Are you in Nehemiah chapter 1? We're going to read this entire chapter, all 11 verses of it, to get a sense of what's going on. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Everybody say Hakaliah. No coughing, there's a pandemic on. Now it happened in the month of Kislev. In the 20th year, I was in Susa, the citadel. Okay, Susa is the summer palace of the Persian Empire. And that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. That's what Israel was called at the time. So Nehemiah's brother comes to the capital of the Persian Empire to let him know the state that Israel's in. He says, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. He said, the remnant there in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Nehemiah said, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we've sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you. We haven't kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word, though, that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Just a little parenthetical note, maybe we'll come back there by the end of our talk today. Nehemiah gets this word that the kingdom of God is in shambles, and he's distressed. In fact, I would call what he experiences spiritual distress. And the reason that I call it spiritual distress is not just that he fasted and he mourned, but for the length of time that he fasted and mourned, it tells us that he, the plan that's going to be hatched through this prayer It takes months to come to fruition. He's fasting and praying and mourning and thinking and and, and processing for months because we go from Kislev December to to Nisan, which is in the spring. So he's got got months that he's in this place of going, ugh, things are not as they should be. God's kingdom is not what it should be. God's people are not where they should be. He is in spiritual distress. Have you ever been in spiritual distress? Have you ever, not, not, not the distress like that you have financial woes, not the stress that, distress that you have health woes, not the distress where you found out you're not in your great aunt's will, not that type of distress. Spiritual distress is when you recognize that God's kingdom, his plan and his causes and everything he's promised is up here, but God's people and his kingdom and where they're at today don't seem to be where that kingdom plan and cause should be. There's a gap there. That's the distress that Nehemiah is feeling. He's going, I I can't understand if if we're the people of God and God's called us by his great name and we're supposed to play this role in God's salvation history, how are the people living in God's holy city in Jerusalem just living among heaps of rubble? This doesn't make any sense to me. I am truly upset by the spiritual condition of God's kingdom and God's causes and what they mean in the natural. And, and you say, well, hold on. He was distressed at the natural, not the spiritual. But, but in fact, the, the rest of his prayer is going to show us 
that he recognizes that the natural state of where God's kingdom is at is informed by the spiritual state of where God's people are at. Is anybody following me? The natural state of where God's people and kingdom are at is, is informed by the spiritual state of God's people. As we've mentioned, Nehemiah knows that he serves the one true God. He knows he serves Yahweh. I am that I am, existence himself. He knows that there's a plan to bring everybody into salvation. But this quote-unquote kingdom has fallen a long way from where it once was. This is not the great kingdom of David and Solomon. Unless something major changes, he can't understand how God's plan can come to bear. And Nehemiah is going to hope that monumental change can start with him. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and, and let you know, I believe God's looking for Nehemiahs among his church today. I believe he's looking for men and women who are in spiritual distress. And I don't mean that stay in spiritual distress, but they are in spiritual distress. They're not so much focused on the facts and the, and the ins and the outs and the issues that they have in their life. Their focus and their concern is on what's going on with God's kingdom and God's people and God's church and they see the gaps that exist between what is and what should be, and they want to fill the gap. They don't want to just look at the world and look at the circumstances and go, there are gaps, there's problems, the world's a mess, and the church is the only way out of it. But, but, but to actually be in spiritual distress means you do the things that lead to lasting change. And Nehemiah shows us what happens that brings about lasting change. And it's not something that just Nehemiah does. When we see the pattern here that Nehemiah prays that brings about lasting change, I don't want you to think, well, that's just one story in Scripture that Pastor Matt's highlighting. No, it's one story in Scripture that is repeated over and over and over again with God's people. Where they come against a mountain, they come against an obstacle in the spiritual that's also natural that they want to overcome for the sake of God's kingdom and God's causes and God's people and so they make a change, and they begin just as Nehemiah did. And we see in verse 4 that when he gets done or, or begins the process of mourning, that Nehemiah begins to fast and pray. I mean, if that's not indicative of what brings about change amongst God's kingdom and people, I don't know what is. He begins to, to, to stop eating and start praying. Now, some of you are like, yes, I have begun a process of intermittent fasting as part of my New Year's resolution. No, it's not that. It's not intermittent fasting for the sake of weight loss. This is, in, this is, this is fasting for, for, for taking time to set aside the natural to pursue that which is spiritual. Now, we preached on fasting a couple of times in the last year, and so, so I'm not going to go deep into that today. But the idea is, is he is so spiritually distressed at the state of God's kingdom, he stops eating to pray. So, so that he can replace that most natural inclination with spiritual inclination and hear from the Lord. When we come into spiritual distress, when we experience a gap between what should be in God's kingdom and what is in God's kingdom, the, the first thing should not be to shoot off an email or, or to get in the ear of our friends about what should be. The first thing to do when we see a gap between what God's kingdom is and what God's, or what God's kingdom is and what God's kingdom should be is to hit our knees in prayer. Is to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? How, how is this gap to be filled? How is change to come about? You know, as human beings, we want to be problem solvers. We want to go ahead and get from point A to point B. We want to do so in the shortest path possible. And therefore, what often takes place when, we're, when we see a bit of spiritual distress, when it really doesn't rock us to the core, but we're like, ah, I'm bothered that, that no one's evangelizing my neighborhood, or, 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 or I'm troubled that, that those folks at the church don't seem to be getting discipled, or, 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 or I'm worried about the impact that we're having in the community. And, and what we do immediately is instead of hitting our knees and praying and fasting and saying, Lord, I, I'm upset by the gap that I see, oftentimes we just present a solution immediately. And it's the difference between good and God. Because most of us are smart people. We can come up with a good solution to a gap that we see. Most of us are smart enough to do that. But the real question we have to ask, is it God's solution? Is it how God would fix it? Is it, is it the way God would want us to proceed? Nehemiah takes three months to figure out God, even though he probably could have figured out in three seconds what good would be. I just want to make mention of that. He takes some time spent on his knees. 
to see how God would have him move into the spiritual distress that he's facing. Nehemiah's prayer is so instructive that I don't want to just skip over it today because I believe it's what helps us bring about lasting change in our lives. First, he recognizes in verse 5 that God's great and awesome. He, he, he declares, I know that the gap between where your kingdom is and where it should be has nothing to do with your power. You have all the power in the world, God. You have all the ability in the world, God. There is nothing that's holding you back that has to do with you. You are still great and awesome in spite of the circumstances that we are facing. He then reminds himself that God is a covenant-keeping God and a God full of steadfast love. So, so no matter if the, if the problem resides with us, which guess what it does, if the problem resides with us that has created the gap, God's not done with us. God's not, God's not looking at us going, well, you don't get to be my people anymore. You don't get to serve me anymore. Yeah, good luck filling that gap. I'm through with you. Nehemiah recognizes before he begins to confess sin and corruption and, and unfaithfulness, before he even does that, he recognizes the character and nature of God. He says, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. God, you keep your covenants. God, you still love us. And God, you see and hear my prayer. That's a good place to start. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing to remember, that, that God is all of that. That, that, that when we want to see lasting change, that, that God has the power to bring it about, that he truly does love us in spite of our flaws, he truly does want to show his faithfulness to us, and he sees and hears those prayers that we pray. Sometimes we, we, we get into heathen fatalism and forget those things. God wouldn't want to hear from me. God wouldn't want me to pray these prayers. God, God, God couldn't use me because of flaw A, flaw B, and flaw C. And Nehemiah recognizes what the ones who had gone before him recognized, that God is no respecter of persons. He loves you with an everlasting love, but he, he's not all too impressed with you either. He knows you're not perfect. He knows that you have sinned and fallen short of his glory, and he wants to use you anyway. Praise the Lord. He loves you, and he's got a hope and a future for you. But that doesn't mean that Nehemiah doesn't have to surface the reason for the gap. The gap that he sees, the reason that he's in spiritual distress, he realizes it's because God's people have missed the mark. God's people haven't done what they're supposed to do in the world. That, that's the issue. So Nehemiah sets about in verse 6, confessing sins on three, level, three levels. The first thing he says is he, he is confessing continually the sins of the nation of Israel. He recognizes that they've been called by God, that they're God's people. He recognizes that they have said, God, I'll serve you and I'll do things your way, and then they went ahead and didn't. Now, that general word for sin in Hebrew is hatat. That means to miss the mark. Here's the mark, but here's where we shoot. I got a lesson in that just this past week. I got my oldest son a set of bows and arrows for the very first time. Nice little compound bow, just his size. So we 